This podcast was brought to you by Spartan Sports. This is The Running Game, a podcast that covers rugby from the ground up. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my great mate, Matt Dunning. How are you? Great, Tim. What a great week of rugby. I guess uh, not a lot played being locked down, but still uh, awesome. We've got a few games. The women's played, uh, the women's uh, Super W final, so still rugby happening. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got Stephen Moore coming on the show today, and I do know that you're his tight head prop when he debuted 129 caps for Australia. It was an extraordinary career. Yeah, Squeak was a, a fantastic player, all Smoo. We used to nickname him Smoo, and everyone goes, why would you nickname Stephen Moore Smoo? Well, when you put up initials of people in team meetings, it'd be, you know, MD for Matt Dunning, RE for Rocky Elson, but then we had Sterling Mortlock and Stephen Moore, so it was Sterling Mortlock was SM, so he had to be SM double O, so it wasn't confusing. So he's, the nickname Smoo stuck for, for Stephen Moore, but what a great player, Stephen Moore, like just a Big man, like he was just, you know, he, he he would play in the front row at, you know, six foot one or two and be pretty, he'd be fairly lean at 115 kilos. A big man, set piece technician, you know, really great and just meticulous with his detail, true professional, you know, softly spoken but led by example. And uh, yeah, I played with him in his uh, test debut against uh, Samoa at the football stadium. Me and Bill Young were his props. That he didn't know what he's in for, not in the game, but after, obviously, we won 74-0 or 76-0. It was a great win, and Eddie Jones always let us celebrate. So uh, we took him out to Bill Young's pub at Concord West there, and um, yeah, me and Bill had a great night. We, we lost Stephen. We didn't know what happened to him. We lost him during the night, but me and, me and Bill stayed out till, uh, you know pretty late and came back to the hotel, and um, we found him there asleep in the foyer of the hotel, and we, we tried to wake him, but we couldn't, so we just said, oh, well, he'll, he'll be all right, and uh, unfortunately, we probably should have picked him up and carried him, but he was a bit big for us, and uh, you know even for us, and uh, Eddie Jones found him about 5 a.m. and tapped him on the shoulder and said, mate, uh, time to get back to your room, but um, we, we think he might have drunk a schooner for every one of those points that were scored, but uh, no, he's a great man, and uh, a, a very, a very good debut uh, drinking with me and Bill Young for seven or eight hours. Oh, yeah. A couple of front rowers that could really lead you astray back then. Stephen Moore, he's on the show today. Also, Brittany Mitchell from ESPN Rugby. We're going to talk to her about the new coach at the Waratahs. That's on the way. Hundred twenty nine tests for Australia, twenty four as captain for the Wallabies. Stephen Moore, welcome to the running game. How are you? Thanks a lot, Tim. Good mate. Thanks a lot for having me. Great to have you on, Squeak. Well, uh, you've done it all in rugby, test matches, Super Rugby. You've done it all. What's it like to be back playing club rugby at thirty eight in Brisbane? Yeah, mate, it's a bit strange actually. I never thought I'd be doing it again. But um, yeah, when Mick Heenan, the coach up here, he, he asked me to pull the boots on again, I. Thought he was joking initially, but uh, yeah, I went down to training and had a run around and uh, just been helping out. I've played four games now, so it's um, yeah, it's been good fun. Most of the guys are sort of nearly twenty years younger than me, so uh, but you know, you know what it's like. Club rugby, I think, is the heart and soul of rugby in Australia, and 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 long may that remain. You know, that's where all the people give up their time for nothing and come down and and for the love of the club and the game. And I'm really. Yeah, enjoying being back around that again. As much as we love all our family and our children, sometimes it's nice to have a reason to have to go out on a on a weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, my wife said you're allowed one training a week and then the game, so there was there was a bit of negotiating involved, but uh, she's been pretty good, I guess. Oh, you know, good. All, all our partners grow up around it all, so they they know what the story is most of the time. 
And so squeak the playing weight now. You're, you're lighter, heavier. What, what are you what are you running around at? What's the training week look like for you? <laughs> well, I don't usually weigh myself as much as we used to, <laughs> uh, but I'd say I'd, if I was to have a guess, mate, I'd say I'd be probably five to ten kilos heavier than my playing weight. So somewhere around 120, mate. So a bit of extra weight to carry around and, and yeah, not as certainly not as fast or agile as I once was. Not that I ever was particularly fast or agile, but, uh, you know, it's it's good fun. I mean, I'm playing the last 20 minutes, so the sting's gone out of the game. And it's, uh, it's not too bad. We spoke to Paul French from Brothers the other day. It does seem that the club competition in, in, in Brisbane is really strong at the minute. Yeah, it is, mate. Absolutely. I think that's been the case for a number of years and it's great to see. I think we played down at East last Sunday or Sunday just gone and uh, you can see people walking down from their houses and and filling the ground and bringing their kids down and there's activities for the kids and it's more about, it's more than just the game, club rugby, you know, it's the the connection, it's the feeling, it's the sense of belonging that that's what people like about it and yeah, we, we've probably lost a bit of that in the next tier, in the Super Rugby sort of tier, and particularly with that NRC. You know, we haven't quite got that tribalism right that club rugby brings, and it's it's a real challenge at the moment for Rugby Australia to just sort of work out what that next tier looks like because it's um you know it's, it's certainly dropped off a bit, and club rugby on the flip side has has probably grown in prominence over the last few years. How do you compare the talent these days, mate? Obviously, you you probably didn't play a lot of club rugby since sort of 2004, maybe even 2003. You know, how do you compare the talent you're playing up against now than when you started out? Yeah, I think it's a good question because when I started, there was a lot more older players playing first grade and, and you would have been the same, Tuck, I think. Like, these days, most of the first grade teams are full of sort of 19, 20, early 20-year-olds, 20 whereas... Probably, you know, 15 years ago, there was a number of guys there pushing 30 and maybe even even older, and, and they sort of brought the young players through. So definitely the age profile of the teams has changed. It's a much younger game now than it used to be. Uh, you know, I hear most of my teammates at the moment are asking if they can have a beer in the sheds because they're all still on their peas. You know, they can't have a beer and drive. And drive <laughs> they can't have a beer and drive home. And I... I I nearly fell over when I heard someone saying that the other day in the sheds, but that's the reality of it. But the standard, I think, is pretty good. You know, we got a number of our Reds players back in the last few weeks, and they certainly lift the lift the standard across the competition when players like that come back from the professional programs. But uh, by and large, mate, I think that the competition's really strong. And, and as Tim said, it's, it's good to see club rugby thriving because it's such a critical part of the rugby landscape. And, you know, I'd love to see a way where uh, we can continue to grow that uh, for, for the viewers and for the spectators. And I think it's wonderful to see club rugby on stand, for example. They do such a good job of broadcasting those games on probably a shoestring budget. But I think that, you know, that opportunity for people to be able to watch their club play on TV, I mean, that wasn't there a few years ago. So that's a really positive thing for the game. Yeah, absolutely. And and we really needed – David Begg was on the show last week, of course, former referee, chairman of Manly, ran Sydney Rugby. And he made a point, and a lot of people have been pressing this point throughout the course of us doing the podcast. It's really important – and you mentioned the Reds guys coming back to Clubland. There's got to be more stringent rules in and around it, don't there, that we get the best of the best playing rugby at club level when they can rather than sitting in you know elite structures where they're not playing club rugby. Yeah, it's a really good point. And you would have seen on the weekend, I think the under-20s uh, tournament was postponed. And 
we were set to lose those players for two or three weeks while they went off and played in that tournament. And a lot of those 20 year olds or 19, 20 year olds, they haven't played a lot of club footy and they're going to play in these world cups and, and these sort of development programs without having played much club rugby. And I'd like to see club rugby play a bigger role in the development pathway and, uh, that's how it used to be. And I know it's easy to say, let's just go back to what it used to be like, but it's not always that easy. But, uh, you know, players, to be successful in super rugby, I believe you, you should prove yourself at club rugby. And, and therefore, uh, that should be a selection, uh, you know, a selection criteria is that you, you're sort of you're dominant in club rugby before you get picked for, for the Waratahs or the Reds or the Brumbies, etc. So, it's absolutely critical. That's how, you know, I suppose we, we are a bit biased because that's how we were all brought up through that system. But uh, there was nothing wrong with it back then. So, you know, I don't see an issue why we shouldn't continue to promote it now. Yeah, and Squeak, how do you how do you see the, you know, the Australian squad of players at the moment? How do we how do we stack up? How do you think we're, we're looking for the upcoming series, obviously against France and All Blacks, hopefully later in the year? Yeah, I think I saw Dave Rennie made a really interesting comment a few weeks ago and, and he said, yeah, our top 25 players are very competitive. You know, we'll we'll, we'll put in a, a good showing against any opponent uh, and we'll do really well. But beneath that, it gets a bit thin. And I think that's really accurate. You know, if you look at the All Blacks at the moment, they could probably field three teams and be very competitive across, um, you know, any any test side. But we, we wouldn't be in that category. I think we're really light on in certain positions. You know, the halves being one of them and... Yeah, un- underneath our top sort of selected player, we're a bit light. So we don't have the depth that we would probably like to. But in saying that, if we can keep all our best players on the field, um, then we can be really competitive. And this is a big year for a lot of young players in the Wallabies to really step up and, and stamp their authority on those positions. And, you know, at the moment, there's probably not that many positions in the team that are absolutely sewn up. Um, and you'd like to think by the end of the year that uh, the a lot of those questions will be answered. So while it's exciting to have um, young players across the team, it, it's also, you know, I'm, I'm always of the belief that the Wallabies is, is that's a national team. It's not a development side. So we need to be at our best every test match. Um, and, you know, we are going through a bit of a rebuild, but uh, we still need to put our best 15 out there every week. And, and I'm sure that's what Dave will do. You mentioned uh, that you were the tight head prop when Stephen Moore made his Wallaby debut and uh, there were a few libations later and he, he had his, his say about what happened at Bill Young's pub. Steve, what was it like? What was, what was it like debuting with this buffet? Like, as Phil War says, the only, the only football player to lose weight and get fit when he retires. Oh, well, you put him together with Jeremy Paul and Bill Young and you can imagine... Uh, what that looked like. So, I mean, all I remember really is waking up at the Crown Plaza in Parramatta. That's <laughs> whatever happened before that was <laughs> was all a bit of a blur. But, uh, yeah, we had a good win. I think it was 76-0. So, you wow. should celebrate your wins and that's what we did. A, a, a beer for every point. I think you had that night squeak. You did very well. <laughs> that's right, mate. I think I might have even had a cigar in my pocket when uh, Eddie Jones woke me up. <laughs> in the lobby at the Crown Plaza. So, yeah, times have changed. But one thing about Eddie, he always sort of, you know, gave you the benefit of the doubt with that stuff. You know, he knew he knew the balance about enjoying yourself when you had a win and, you know, I always liked that about him. And so, Squeak, if you're playing club rugby, let's say it's a couple of weeks' time, for whatever reason, uh, Tanella Tupu's playing at tight head prop. What do you do when you come back in there at 38 years of age and you're scrummaging up against Tanella Tupu? What, what do you do at... Oh, 
I, 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 I pull a hamstring. I'm not playing. What do you do? Yeah, well, mate, I think you and me probably think alike in that regard. And I'm just praying that he he has a good test season. He stays with the Wallabies, you know. So uh, I, I certainly haven't planned on coming up against uh, Taniella, but there's been a, there was a few Reds players out there on the weekend for East, and that, as I said before, they certainly lift the standard. Uh, but you know, it sort of comes back, sort of comes back quick enough that you know that. The, the memories and the way to play. So, look, I'm not too worried about that. I'm just trying to contribute for my club. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the two packs go head-to-head um, in this series. You know, I think France will, will try and dominate up front and the Wallabies will need to be aggressive and, and respond to that to that challenge. You know, we've all played we've played against France. We know exactly how they play and, and that's the way they'll take us on. Stephen, I think it's such an opportunity for the young players at university to have you in the team. You're too modest to say it, both with your history as a rugby player and as a bloke. So uh, great that you're still playing and thanks so much for coming on The Running Game. No problem, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks, Heaps Squeak. And I wish I could have played 120 kilos. I would have played, played a lot more. Yeah, mate, you're still good, mate. Great to have you on. <laughs> thanks a lot, fellas. Yeah, take care. Coming up on The Running Game, Brittany Mitchell, of course, from ESPN Rugby. So much going on in the world of rugby at the moment uh, and it is really nice to have ESPN Rugby presenter reporter Brittany Mitchell with us. How are you, Brittany? I'm good, thanks, guys. It's great to join you. I made my podcast debut last week and now it's it's my third one in a week, so everyone seems to want to hear my opinions these days. That's great. Great to have you on, Brittany. Obviously, big news this week, uh, the Waratahs are finally appointed a full-time coach, Darren Coleman. I'm a big fan of Darren's. What's 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 the sort of backwash on that, and what's been happening with that appointment? Um, yeah, it's really exciting that we've got a, a new coach on board, and especially uh, the likes of Darren Coleman. And um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I'm I'm part of the the Gordon setup. I'm a part of the the just the local sevens team, and I got to be a part of watching him lead um, the first grade team from last to first as they've. Um, been calling it and yeah last year taking them to success was great to witness just as a fan and someone who's been a part of the club for you know 15 or so years just as a spectator and and stuff like that so I I guess the washout is that um, confidence is building I think a lot of Waratahs fans um, are really hopeful that he will be the one who can right the ship I think a, a lot of people were disappointed with uh, not necessarily Rob Penny's work at the Tars, but how it all washed up um, this year. He didn't get a whole a whole lot of time to try and turn it around and, and his hands were kind of tied behind his back. So I think a lot of people will be hoping that um, that Darren Coleman gets a chance to take over the reins, gets to do what he wants to do and and can turn it all around. It would be really exciting if next year they're, they're back in back in the title race. Wouldn't that be great? Now, Matt played in the heady days with the Waratahs, and I remember all too well reporting on them, and, and they were the hottest tickets in town at the Sydney Football Stadium or Allianz Stadium, but things are very different in 2021. Well, what, what does Darren bring to the table? Uh, well, I guess if you just look back at what he's managed to do, not just at Gordon, but at the Rats, and, you know, his, his resume is deep. Uh, he's been to Japan. He has worked previously with the Waratahs. He's worked with the Brumbies. Uh, he's seems uh, like right now he's leading coaching over in LA. And, you know, I think they're, they've just lost their second game of the season over the weekend. And they're in the race for um, the title in the MLR. 
Um, so what he brings, I think, especially it's not just his um, rugby knowledge. Um, a lot of coaches out there you'd expect would have very good rugby knowledge, but he also uh, uh, is a very good um, player coach. He works really well with his players. Yes, he's very intense and very driven and goal orientated with his players. He also is the type of guy who understands that he needs to um, create a connection with his players, which I know um, he did really well at Gordon over the last two years. He, um, one of those stories is that last year, 2020, it was really difficult for a lot of people. Um, Shoot Shield was kind of put on the back burner. Who knew when they were going to get onto the field? And, you know, he spent last year off, the, off his own back calling and messaging players just to see how they're all going. So, and it wasn't just first grade players. It was um, a lot of lower grade players just to make sure that, you know, their head was in the game. And uh, he kept his eye down on on the lower grade players and, you know, would send the messages of um, little pointers, what they can do to to improve their game. So, so yeah, Brittany, I couldn't agree more with your comments about Darren. I think he, I think he's got a lot in common to probably one of the, the, you know, the greatest coaches in Australia, I think, at the moment, in any, in any uh, rugby code, Trent Robinson. I think he's got that same sort of uh, consistency and sort of uh, level-headedness. I, I'm really looking forward to him coming. And I think he'll do a tremendous job. But the issue with the Waratahs is obviously, you know, and as someone said to me, 80% of coaching is recruitment. And the big hole that the Waratahs have got is in a couple of key positions. Um, they spent a million dollars less than other teams this year and paid the price for that. Uh is like I want to see Darren get the best chance. Uh, and you saw Wales Waratahs going to give him the best chance. Are they going to give him a check put and let him go and chase players? Is he going to have free reign? Because I don't want to see him sort of thrown out with the the, the bathwater if he doesn't achieve. He's not able to get players he wants. Mm. Well, exactly right. I don't. I don't think the Tars uh, can survive if they bring in a coach and they put him on a three year contract. They have to understand that um, if they want results. They're going to have to, as you said, give in the checkbook and and bring the players in. You know, they're going to have a new stadium and they're going to have a new training base, which are really key um, motivators for players. And, you know, a lot of the Tars over the last few years have just kind of fallen back on this whole, oh, but Sydney's fantastic and use that as their big recruitment. But now they're going to, they're going to be able to say, oh, look, we've got a state-of-the-art stadium and um, they've got this state-of-the-art training facilities and now they've got the coach. If the Waratahs are, are really going to buy into this and really want to see results, they're going to have to let DC take over, give him the, the checkbook and pick who he wants. He's got a really good um, knowledge of not just players in Australia and Shoot Shield, but he's got a really good knowledge of um, players around the world. He'll know how to how to turn this team into to winners. Yeah, wouldn't that be fantastic? And yeah, he really does have that international lens. Now, Brittany, you mentioned your involvement with with the Sevens at Gordon. Tell us more. And I, look, I know that Gordon and other clubs uh, really invest in the women's game. Uh, one of my daughter's friends at school there in year eight, she plays for the rep team for Gordon. Tell me more. Um, okay. Well, I, uh, I guess um, I joined the Sevens team in 2019. I've always been a, a massive rugby supporter. Um, I gave it a go when I was eight. It didn't last too long. I went to netball. (laughs) So I decided I'd I'd come back and give it a go. I've got three older brothers. So I've always watched from the sideline and Mm. thought I could do better. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided I'd I'd throw my my hat in the ring. Um, But yeah, you know, Gordon is one of the many teams in Sydney that have made the the great call of, of saying that women's rugby is 
the future. Um, not just with the sevens team, Gordon have also introduced a 15s team, which this year they went from last year, they didn't win a game. This year they're on the cusp of a finals appearance if all goes to plan. Um, and, yeah, you know, you've got the likes of Warringah Rats, Manly, Sydney Uni, who are very dominant in the women's game, um, South, you know, all those big name shoot shield teams um, have either both a sevens and fifteens or, or a sevens program. And in a few years' time, uh, we'll be seeing all the shoot shield teams will have fifteens uh, teams attached to them, women's fifteens teams attached to them. So uh, it's really exciting. Um, I'm a bit late to the game personally. I don't think you'll be seeing my name up in uh, lights anytime soon. But uh, I love it. I'm playing with a, a great bunch of girls, and it's fun to go out there and you know hit a bunch of people. <laughs> so, so, Brittany, what, what, so what? Yeah, you said like hitting, everyone loves hitting people. That's why we love rugby. But why do you love? That's why I love rugby anyway. But what do you love about rugby, and and, and how is rugby different than the netball? In, you know, in positive or negative ways. I just want to hear your, your take. Because obviously, someone new to the game. What do you love about the, you know the club system, the game? And what do you love about it the most? Yeah, um, well, like I mentioned, I grew up watching my brothers from the sidelines and, you know, I always wanted to be a part of it. Not to say when I was younger that I wasn't necessarily invited to play. It, there were a few issues in the way that stopped you from playing. A lot of girls back then, you know, you hit 13 and, and you couldn't play anymore because there was, you couldn't play with the boys and there was no girls teams to play in. So I've always loved watching it from the sideline. You know, uh, I've always been a part of the rugby scene. And uh, I guess the reason that I decided to actually play like a lot of girls and women have done is because of the success of the Rio girls, that, that mm. sevens team and that gold medal they they won. It kind of really was that final push for me to go, you know what, let's give it a go. You think you can do better? Um, <laughs> let's put your money where your mouth is. And I do find that the physicality is really fun. There is always that those few seconds of like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to get smashed here. But that's kind of what I really enjoy about it as well. Yeah, you can just get smashed into the ground, but there's other moments where um, like there was a moment last season where I just looked up, saw this massive hole and just went for it. And there you go. I was diving under the post and, you know, you feel pretty good about yourself after those moments. So you don't get a try to your name that often. Yeah, I just love the feeling of being out there with a, a great bunch of girls. It's a different way of playing um, a sport. Netball's fantastic, and I still love playing netball, but it's just a bit different, you know. I think you've explained it beautifully. And look, rugby is a rich. Rugby is a richer sport to have for having people like you in it, Brittany, who who not only play it as you just mentioned, but also can speak so eloquently, articulately, and passionately about the game. So all the best with everything at Gordon. All the best with everything at ESPN, and we'd love to get you back on the running game. Thanks for coming on. No worries, guys. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for The Running Game this week. We'll be with you every week with more rugby chat and great interviews. Follow us on your favourite podcast app. Thank you to today's guests, Stephen Moore or Smoo and Brittany Mitchell. Thank you to our sponsors, Spartan Sports, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. Maddie, we're back next week. Can't wait, mate, and uh, it's always a pleasure. And at the same time next week, let's do it. Absolutely. Let's do it.